You know, when I was uh, preparing the sermon for the weekend and it, that line that says, finally, the woman died, I cannot help but think she said, oh, thank God. <laughs> Seven husbands. One day, a uh, parishioner introduced me to a friend of his, and wasting no time, the man took the opportunity to tell me just how evil Catholicism is. Now, I had to give the guy an A for effort and guts. With absolute confidence, he said, Catholics really worship the Aztec sun god, you know. Really? How so? He said, well, you know, you make the host round, like the sun, and you Catholics put it in gold vessels that shine like the sun, and sometimes you guys parade it around in a large cross made of gold with rays of gold coming from the center to imitate the sun. So you Catholics, you are worshiping the Aztec sun god, and you really are pagans. Oh well. Now, my natural inclination was to go Viking. <laughs> there was no question I was going to go after him. But I had to consider the method to be used. You know, some people utter things in ignorance, but they are open to the truth. Others say things in arrogance with no concern for the truth at all. Some suffer under some level of mental duress or mental illness and are delusional and there is no reasoning with them. And there are those who simply enjoy picking a good fight. I assessed he was trapped in ignorance. And I said, you know, that's got to be one of the most stupid things I have ever heard. And frankly, as a former Protestant, I've heard a lot of stupid things said about Catholics. So I began to explain what the it, the Holy Eucharist, is, that it is the body of Christ that gives eternal life to those who believe, as Jesus tells us, referring to the scriptures and to Jewish tradition to a large extent, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the Aztec sun god or any other pagan concept. Now, to his credit, he said that he had never heard that before, and to my sadness, and I fear this happens way too often, he added, well, no Catholic has ever explained the Eucharist to me. That's sad and unnecessary. It is always wise to give people room to save face. So I offered to talk about this more in depth and that I would like to learn what else he has heard about Catholicism. Like many others, he simply accepted as true what he was told about Catholics without engaging in the work of discerning the truth for himself. Been there, done that. And we did meet, frankly, many times. And over the course of a few years, we became friends. Today's gospel shows a closed-minded theological arrogance by a group called the Sadducees. Now, they were a branch of Judaism that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They did not believe in the survival of the soul 
after death. They did not believe in the existence of angels, and they held that only the first five books of the Bible were authoritative because they were written by Moses. And they cleverly framed their story and question to show how utterly ridiculous belief in the resurrection of the dead was. In other words, they were saying to Jesus, now, if the woman had seven husbands, would there not be great confusion about which man would be her husband in the resurrection? I have not a doubt they got quite a chuckle out of it and probably thought they had Jesus pegged up against the wall. This kind of arrogant theologizing occurs whenever we pose our limitations on God. Pope Francis refers to this writing, it is not this life that will serve as a reference point for the other life that awaits us. Rather, it is eternity that illumines and gives hope to the earthly life each one of us has. We tend to say that man's journey moves from life to death. But Jesus says, our pilgrimage goes from death to life, the fullness of life. Jesus responded to the Sadducees' story with two truths. First, marriage is only for this world. The purposes of marriage, having children, and spouses helping each other on the way to salvation shall no longer be necessary. What does eternally endure of earthly marriage after death and in the resurrection are the love, the joy of friendship, the spiritual intimacy. Second, Jesus showed that there is indeed life after death, using the encounter Moses had with God at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, when God said to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In other words, God remains God even though those people died long ago. They trusted him, they obeyed him. They are still belonging to God, and God is still faithful to them. God, the I am, the source of all being, is not the God of the dead, but God of the living, of all who trust in him, whether they are in this world or the next. For those who die trusting in God, they are alive to him. Jesus reduced the Sadducees to silence with truth, and they did not want to hear any more as is clear from verse 40, which our reading for some reason does not have, and it says they no longer dared to ask him questions. Every disciple of Jesus has a baptismal duty to know the faith to the best one is able, not simply for one's own benefit, but for the benefit of others. We do not need graduate degrees in theology, but we do need to have ongoing faith formation, ongoing study. Human beings are designed for truth, and it is for us 
disciples of Jesus, to speak the truth as best one can in the presence of error. And with the availability of so many solid, orthodox, online spiritual enrichment courses approved by the church, so many solid DVDs and books on what the church teaches and why, so many solid video programs and excellent Bible study aids, there is no excuse not to grow in the knowledge of our faith so that when we are asked, why do you Catholics believe this or that? We can answer with the truth as best as we know how. And once the truth is given, it takes a life of its own in the soul of the hearer. It becomes his or her responsibility to let it grow or ignore it. The man who was once convinced that we worship the Aztec sun god grew in faith, and he is now a Catholic priest. <laughs>